as you join us this morning, we want to say welcome again to our television family. We are so thankful for you being part of our life. We're thankful for the connection that you have to our life and all that God is doing in us and equipping you. We're um, delighted when you stop us on the street and let us know how much this ministry men, means to you or, or, or correspond with us in any form or fashion. Today, we just want to continue to talk to you about the subject of restoration. There's probably not a family in central Louisiana that couldn't use some form of restoration in their life. Maybe it's the issue of a child, maybe it's a, a marriage, a, a, a sickness, uh, maybe it's a situation with a job. I believe today that the issue of restoration is one of the greatest issues that on our schedule today. The thing that we need the most, the thing that we need God to do. And so I want to encourage you to push the envelope and begin to pray like you've never prayed before. Begin to ask God to speak to you definitively. Uh, pray specifically as uh, for your family, for that need. And then would you pray for family of grace? Would you pray for me and our staff as we charge this city, as we invest in central Louisiana, as God continues to lengthen the scope and width of our ministry and Many of you are starting to drive in from outside of Alexandria in our television audience. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for getting off of the sofa and going the extra mile. Thank you for uh, not just watching at home, but now beginning to engage in ministry. I hope this message from the book of Ezra today will strengthen you and equip you for the subject of restoration in your life. Ezra chapter 7 and verse 27. Let's look at that. Praise the Lord of our fathers who has put into his king's mind to glorify the house of the Lord in Jerusalem and who has shown favor to me before the king, before his counselors, before all the powerful officers. So I took courage because I was strengthened by the hand of my God and I gathered the Israelites and the leaders with me to return. Now, these are the people who returned with me. And it says in chapter 8 and verse 1. Now, skip with me to verse 15. And I gathered them at the river that flows to Ava. And we camped there for three days. And I searched among the people and the priests, but I found no Levites there. Now, let's stop right there and talk about a couple of things this morning, <clears throat> because as we are looking at this concept of restoration, we have seen some interesting dynamics unfold in the book of Ezra. As we have charted our way through the book of Ezra, there's been some very interesting components to it. And this morning, what I want you to realize that in your heart and in your life, when you desire to begin to move to that moment of restoration, there's going to be some interesting dynamics. There's going to be some mountaintops. There's going to be some valleys. There's going to be some struggles. There's going to be some days that you feel like you can't do anything wrong. And there's going to be some days you feel like you can't do anything right. There's going to be some days that you feel the power and presence of God so strong upon you that you feel like it's, it's so overwhelming that you can't hardly breathe. And then there's those days where the power of God is, is it seems like it's nowhere around. It seems like it's void and you're alone and it seems like God's forgot about you and he's on a journey far away. But what I want you to understand today is we have to realize the reality of what God is doing. 
the reality of what God is doing is so interesting because he isn't on a journey far away. He hasn't forgot about you and he hasn't taken his eye off of you. Matter of fact, one of the most victorious prophets in the Old Testament, Elijah, I mean, one minute he was on the Mount, Mount Carmel calling down fire from heaven and killing all the prophets of Baal. And then a few minutes later, a few days later, uh, he was hiding in a cave saying, oh my gosh, I'm the only one left. In one moment he was so victorious, he couldn't quit shouting. And the next moment he was so depressed that despair came in. And the despair was so great that he turned and said, I don't even really want to live. I'm the only one left. You ever felt like that? There ever been a time in your life where it felt like God was so strong and so real? That he was so, his presence was so real you couldn't even grasp it in the realm of humanity. But then there was days that you just felt like he was so far away that he forgot about you. As you are on the process of this restoration, what you must keep your eye on is is God the Father, that he hadn't taken his eye off of you, and you must make sure that you're surrounded by the right people. You must make sure that you're surrounded by the right people. Who is speaking into your life? Matter of fact, I've made this statement before some time back, but I want to share it again this morning. Show me who you're listening to. Show me what you're reading. Show me who's speaking into your life, and I'll show you where you're going. I'm not a prophet, and I don't have to be. But if you'll show me what books you're reading, if you'll show me the people that are your role models, show me who's speaking into your life, then I can turn around and show you where where you will end up at. You see, today, my friends, the reality of it is that we must surround ourselves by the right people. Not just any old body will do. You must surround yourself by people who are filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the power of God, and seeking a word from God. When we looked at this passage of scripture, we talked about this last week. Zerubbabel led the first wave of people back to rebuild the temple, and there was 42,360 that went back. They went back to rebuild a physical temple because it's kind of easy to get a crowd and get some excitement when you're building things. But when they went back and the temple had been completed, some 60 years had passed, they had a big building, yet they had no power. They had all the right instruments, all the right things, but they had the absence of the power of God. And today, it isn't that we, didn't, we don't know the Christian language. It isn't that we don't have churches on every corner, but we have churches on every corner that are void of the power of God because they're not filled with the right people. And today, what God is looking for is the people who are hungering and thirsting after Him. The Bible says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Happy and fortunate are those. The right people. He listed up his, his 2,000 people, and the Bible says when he gathered them up and they took on this journey, they went and they stopped by the river, and they camped there, and he looked, and it says, I searched among the people, and he found no Levites. Now, this wouldn't be a big deal if they were just on a journey, but they were going to bring about revival. They were going to bring about restoration to the nation of Israel. And so basically, as they go on this journey, and they struck out, and they stopped their first night, and he kind of gathers everybody together, and they catch up. You know, have you ever been on a trip with more than one vehicle? And all of a sudden, you get them there, or you haven't ever had a group, and you ever tried to keep up with them? And you get them there, and you start counting heads, and you're looking, you're taking an assessment of who all's there. And he takes this assessment on the first night, 
And when he takes his assessment, he looks and there are no Levites. Now, why is that an issue? Well, it's like going on a, let's say you were going on a mission trip and you were going to go build a church. And you stop the first night and you bed down and you take an inventory of who all is there and you realize the only people you have are technical people, IT people, and creative people. Now, that might be good when the building's built, but somebody's got to have some construction ability about them. And so you realize, oh, my gosh, we can't build a building. we got some people that know what to do with a building when it's built. But we don't have anybody who knows how to actually build a building. Now, the Levites were the only people who had the anointing of God in the Old Testament and was in the lineage of the, of the tribe of Levi that would fulfill the work of the ministry. Well, better yet, we could summarize it this way. You're going to build a church building. You get there the first night and you stop and you realize all you have is a bunch of preachers. About all they can do is talk about what they want to do. And so you see, but it would be different. It would be the same thing turning around. Let's say we're going on a, a, a mission trip and we're going on this mission trip and the only purpose of this mission trip is to preach. The only purpose of this mission trip is to, to preach the gospel and to do evangelism. And all of a sudden, when you get there on that journey and you stop the first night and you bed down, you realize all you have is, a, is all the people in the group that you have are carpenters. And all they really know is construction language and none of them really love to tell their story. And none of them teach Sunday school and really none of them want to preach. But yet the whole trip is about preaching. Now, now, the interesting dynamic is this, that they were going about to bring about the spiritual restoration, but when they got to where they were going, they were filled with the wrong people. And all of a sudden, Ezra stops, and he takes inventory, and he looks at this, and he says, you know what, I don't have the right people. I need to make sure I have the right people. And so the Bible says this, look with me if you would, uh, in verse 17. It says, and then he, I sent Ido, I sent him back with a message for him to the brothers, to the temple servants, that they should bring us ministers for the house of God. And the hand of God was gracious upon us, and they came. Now, go with me back to verse chapter 7 and verse 28, the first verse that we read today. And it says that the hand of the Lord was upon Ezra, and he was surrounded by the right people that he found favor with. He found favor with the, with the king, he found favor with his servants, and all the people that were under the king's rule. So God surrounded him by the right people who had the right people in the influence. You know, there's a saying, somebody told it to me this week, I was talking about something and, and something they was able to accomplish. And he said, you know, it really is all about who you know. And you know today it really is a reality about who, who do you know. If you're trying to get something done, if you're trying to get something fixed, if you're trying to accomplish something, you need to know people that will have favor upon you that will help you propel, or drive your agenda, drive your objective so that you can get to where you're going. And today, God gave that to Ezra. He gave them the people in the physical realm that he found favor with to provide for them, to provide for the journey. But when he started the journey, there was nobody there to provide for the spiritual realm. And so they went back, and all of a sudden, as they went back, they began to find the people. They began to find the people who were the right people to take the journey. And when they got to the right people, and today what I want you to understand is that no matter where you are in your life, you need to make sure that you're surrounded by the right people. The right people are speaking into your life. I mean, if you're trying to, if you're trying to, to restore your marriage, if you're trying to... Re, 
get out of addictions or strongholds or things of that nature. You need somebody to speak into your life the right things and the right power of life. You need somebody to come along beside you and be your cheerleader and say, you can do this, don't give up. I have faith in you. God has faith in you. God is more than a conqueror in your life. You don't need somebody to come along beside you in your life and try to offer you all the things that you're trying to have victory over. And so today, for Ezra, he found himself surrounded by the right people. Now, understand something about Ezra. When he got to the brook, he wasn't surrounded by all the right people. He had good people. They had good intentions. They wanted to see the movement of God. They wanted to see the restoration of the temple of Israel. They wanted to see all these things happen. But they weren't the spiritual leaders that could initiate and fulfill and bring about the restoration. So he stopped where he was and he sent a crew back and said, we've got to have some men of God come go with us. Today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that if we are going to see revival, if we are going to see restoration in our city of Alexandria, we have to have men and women, boys and girls rise up right where they are and say, you know what, I'm believing God that I can be part of this movement. I may not be the initiator of it, but put me down. I want to take the journey. I want to go on the journey. I want to be one of the ones that travel down that pathway. You must make sure that the right people second thing we see in this passage of scripture is that you got to make sure you have the right power not only the right people but you got to make sure you have the right power see the levites represented power they represented power see you can go to a because they were the vessel that god wanted to pour through they were the vessel that god had chosen to pour his spirit through. That was the way he did it in the Old Testament. You couldn't be a priest. You, you had to be in that lineage. You had to be in that pathway to be able to minister, to be able to do things in the temple realm. So therefore, when he got the right people, the right people were blessable by the power of God. Therefore, the, those people became the conduit that God poured his power through. It's amazing how God's power works. God's just looking for a people who's ready to seek him. Today, God's looking for a man. He's looking for a woman. He's looking for a boy. He's looking for a girl who will rise up and say, you know what? I don't want to live a life devoid of the power of God anymore, but I want to have the power. The Bible says that he went back and he got the Levites, the people who would be blessable, and God did indeed bless them. Look with me a little bit further, if you will. How did they get the power? Well, they stayed there for three days. The three days is a sign of power, isn't it? Three days, Jesus came up out of the ground. That was pretty powerful, wasn't it? He came out with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He had conquered that which had been conquering all of humanity. He was victorious over all the things that was uh, making people victims, that people should no longer be the victim of death, but they should be the victor of it. Now, look with me, if you would, in verse 23. And so while they went back and began to look for the Levites, here's what happened. I proclaimed a fast by the river. See, three days we weren't just sitting there twiddling our thumbs thinking, oh my goodness, what if no Levites come? Oh my goodness, what if the men that I sent back can't gather up Levites to come back? 
Oh my goodness, what if nobody answers the call? What if there's no man? What if there's no money? What if there's nobody who will believe in this vision? No, that's not what they did. He didn't go back and try to help them. He found the men of God who went back to search for the men of God. And here's what happened. It says in verse 23, I mean verse 21, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before God and ask him for a safe journey. Why didn't he ask him for the Levites? Well, because in Ezra's mind, the Levites were as good as done. He knew they were coming back. He knew they were on a journey. See, when he brought them back, he knew because God would have never sent, stay with me right here. God would have never initiated the journey had he not initiated the men of God to take the journey. Now, the reality is that God has initiated the journey for there to be a New Testament church in every city that will declare the word of God to the people of God for the will of God. God has already initiated it, so we don't really have to beg him for that. We just got to agree that it's already done. The good news is God's already found the person. They're sitting in the pew. They're sitting in your chairs right there this morning. The bad news is it's you. God's already initiated, God's already provided, God's already working and moving and ruling and reigning, and God is the author of it, and God has selected the right people. We are the right people at the right place, and all we need is the right power. The right power cannot come through religion. The right power cannot come through denomination. The right power cannot come through singing. The right power cannot come through preaching. The right power comes when the right people are at the right place in line with the right motive, with the right agenda, begging God to move and fasting and praying in a unique way. I love this verse right here, verse 21. He says, we begin to pray for safety as they took this journey. See, they were on the right path. The right people was praying for the right power on the right path. Why was he praying for a safe journey? It says, because I did this. We, we know why he did it, because right here he says why he did it. He says, I began to pray like this because I was ashamed to ask the king. Now, the king already said, well, this is good. If you ever want to mark something in your Bible, get it out and mark this right here. Because you remember he said, he told the king, oh, the hand of God's on us. The hand of God is on us in a powerful way, in a unique way, and we just need your favor. We need passage. We need permission. And look at what he says. I began to pray for God to give us protection because I was ashamed to ask the king for infantry and cavalry to protect us from our enemies during the journey since we had already told the king, the hand of our God is gracious to all who seek him, but his great anger is against all who abandon him. So we fasted and we pleaded with our God about this, and guess what? He answered the request. <laughs> Here's what happened. Ezra got to bragging about how powerful God was, and then he got to thinking, oh my goodness, I, 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 I got to live out what I'm preaching. I got to live out what I'm saying. That's why you hear me say things sometimes. Boy, this is easy preaching, but hard living. See, he talked about how big God was, but then, oh my goodness, God is so big. But now, now, O king, can you send me some earthly forces? 
to protect us. Now, Ezra said, you know what, while we're sitting here by the brook, while we're here by the river and the, the waters are flowing by and the gentle breeze is blowing, we're going to fast and we're going to pray and we're going to believe God for the right people on this right path that he has placed us on so that we might have the right power. The right power. How do they have the right power? Because they ask God. What God is looking for is some men and women, boys and girls, who are willing to rise up and say, God, we just need your power. God, we just need your demonstration. Lord, I don't have it. God, I don't have a little, I don't have a little magic pouch that I can pull your power out, Lord. God, we just need you. We need you, Lord. Have you ever wondered why you'll go into a worship service and the power of God will be so strong on that place? It's happened here before. Pretty often. We go through two services. One service will be one way. The other service will be the other way. And you never know which service it may happen in. You never know which service the power of God may be more intense upon. And it, it, I mean, the singing's the same. The preaching's the same. What's the difference? What's the difference? Why is it that the power of God would be so strong on a place in one, one service and 30 minutes later it would be different one way or the other? It's the people. It's not the people on the stage. But it's the people in the building that have been praying all week. Saying, God, i got to have a word from you. God, i got to have a miracle Lord God, I need a victory. Lord, I need you to bring about the victory. God, I am coming to your house today because I am desperate. Lord, I'm coming to your house today because I'm in despair. Lord, I'm coming in your house because I need a word from you. You say, well, pastor, I'm not depressed or in despair either one. No, you may not be, but I am telling you today, you don't have to be to just need a word from God to continue to walk in victory, to continue to need his strength renewed in your life each and every day. God is looking for today is men who are willing to say, God, I'll be the right person. The good news to us today is in order to participate in ministry in the Old Testament, you had to be a Levite. You had to be of the tribe of Levi. For us today, you have to be of the tribe of Jesus Christ, of the tribe of the Lion of Judah. See, he takes those of us who were once far off, those of us who were once enemies, and he puts us on his team. He puts us on his pathway to, so that he might bring about the great victory in our life. What was the pathway for Ezra? The pathway led from Babylon to Jerusalem to go to a building that had no power, that they might bring about, that the power of God might fall on the people of God and when the power of God falls on the people of God, restoration will begin to happen. See, how do you know? How do you know that God moved? I'll tell you how you know that God moved is people began to make things right. People who were separated began to go home. Children who were prodigals began to go home. The person who's in bondage begins to get break free. People who <coughs> people begin to make good on debts. I had a revival breakout in a church I was pastoring one time. It was the most powerful revival we ever had. And nobody gave their heart to Jesus. But you know why it was so powerful? People began to check themselves into rehab, getting off drugs, 
I had a banker stop me one day and say, I don't know what's going on at your church, but he said, I just want you to know that some of your people that had decided to default on their debts came back to us this week and said, we are sorry we have defaulted on this debt. We want to make it right. How can we restore this to you? That's revival. You begin to repay the debt. You begin to make things right. You begin to look for forgiveness. And that's what Ezra was about. He was about getting to the place where God had appointed for him. And he was on that pathway that the power of God, the righteousness of God, may move in a unique way. And today what God is looking for in Alexandria is men and women, boys and girls, who will be on the right pathway to their job, to their to their office, to their, their cubicle, to their desk, to their mechanic shop, to their school, to their college wherever they are if there will be the right people with the right power on the right pathway declaring this is the way walk in it will you be one of those people will you be one of those people that will take that journey on this day for the glory of God maybe God has been speaking to your heart maybe through this sermon you realize that you just need to begin to fast and pray and believe God for the miracle. Maybe there's some people in your life that during this sermon God spoke to you and you realize they're not the right people in your life. You realize that they're leading you in a pathway that is opposite from what it is that God has in store for your life. So maybe you want to start this morning by asking God to put the right people around you to put you on the right pathway so that you can enjoy the great plan that God has for your life. also wanted today just to speak to you for a few moments on the subject of the life of family of grace you and our television audience you are such a blessing to us and we want to ask you would you be willing to partner with us maybe you can't get here maybe you live too far maybe you're physically unable to engage in coming to the church but maybe you would like to partner with us in financially as we wrap up this summer schedule going into the fall, we're kicking off our new semester. We're trying to finish up a church building in Peru. We are launching to a second campus on the south side of Alexandria that'll be a missional outpost to reach the south side of the city, to reach the north side of the city. Family of Grace will be a church that will now be operating in four different locations, two in Alexandria and two just outside of Lima, Peru. God has a big plan, but today the good news is the plan is, is not, it's greater than we are, and God wants to use us to fulfill that task. So maybe you want to partner with us. There's so many ways that you can partner with us, and I would ask you to pray and ask God to begin to, how he wants to use you. Um, our television ministry, there's so much more that we desire to do with our television ministry, and we hope that you maybe you would pray about helping us support that and being able to get more equipment to make this ministry more effective and efficient so that it connects with you in, in a better way and so that we can share it in a more specific way. Also, I want to remind you that uh, any of these sermons that you would like to receive, if you would like to receive any of our series, uh, you can 
get them in a whole package to share with a friend. So thank you once again for all you do for Family of Grace, and may God continue to richly bless your life.